God established a decree in Jacob and appointed a new law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and they, that they would rise up and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in the Lord. Would you all please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. A couple years ago, around Christmas time, there was a father with his five-year-old daughter. And they were talking together, and out of nowhere, she said, Dad, why do we celebrate Christmas? And he realized that she had never heard the story before. And he also realized that he was wholly unequipped to talk about it. So he went and bought a children's Bible. And every night before she fell asleep, he would read to his daughter a story from the Bible. And he said, Christmas is about the birth of Jesus. So I'm going to tell you stories about Jesus. Every night they would read one story. And almost inevitably, the daughter would have a question. She'd say, Daddy, what does that mean? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. What does it mean, Daddy? Blessed are the peacemakers. What does it mean, Daddy? And again and again, he would try to explain it in his own words. Do unto others, it means you just need to be nice to people, and they might be nice to you. Blessed are the peacemakers. Uh, we need to try to be the people who can be kind to others so the world isn't full of so much anger and fear. So he told all these stories so she could learn what Christmas was all about. A couple weeks later, they were driving through town, and they passed by the local Catholic church. And on the front lawn of the Catholic church was this enormous crucifix, this giant cross with a figure nailed to it. And the daughter looked out the window, and she said, Dad, um, who's that? And he realized he didn't tell her the end of the story. He said, well, honey, that's, that's Jesus. And you see, he told all these things, he said all these things, he did all these things that we read about in the Bible, and there were a group of people that were called Romans. And they were so upset, they were so angry at what Jesus said that they realized the only way to stop him was to kill him. And they nailed him to a cross. And for the rest of the ride, the daughter was silent. But a couple weeks later, it was January now, the daughter didn't have to go to school on Monday because it was Martin Luther King Jr. Day. So the father decided to take his daughter out to lunch. And they were sitting at a table, and they were getting ready to order, and she noticed a newspaper out on the table, and right on the front was a picture of Martin Luther King Jr. And she said, Dad, who's that? He said, well, honey, that's Martin Luther King Jr. He's the reason you're not in school today. He was a preacher. And she said, for Jesus? And he said, yeah, a preacher for Jesus. But he had his own message, too. He said that no matter what you look like, you should treat everyone the same. And the daughter said, well, Daddy, that sounds a lot like do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And he said, oh, you know, I never really thought about it like that. Yeah, Martin Luther King, he, he was trying to be just like Jesus. That was his message, too. And all of a sudden, she started to cry. And she said, Daddy, did they kill him, too? young child got it. 
She made the connections between people, between Jesus, between Martin Luther King Jr., because she knew the story, perhaps in a way that most of us have forgotten. You know, it's rare in the Bible to find a scripture that is as straightforward as the one that Leo read for us this morning. Usually you get this really ambiguous text, and even the greatest father can't explain it to a five-year-old. But today, this scripture, it's straight and to the point. Listen up, friends. Open your ears to what I have to say about God. I will tell you the stories from the past, and we cannot hide them from the children. All of us need to hear about the Lord. Because God commanded us to tell everybody, to tell our children so they could tell their children and their children's children. We cannot forget the story. We have to tell the story. And what follows in this passage, what we didn't read today, is the history of Israel in song. It is the beginning of the story of God with God's people, told up until the moment of the psalmist. And this story, this narrative is so strong, it's so important to the psalmist that he or she is willing to do everything he or she can to tell it, no matter what. This old, old story has become so important that sharing it with other people is more important than anything else in creation. We have a member here at our church, his name is Glenn, and he usually sits right there, but right now he's upstairs with our children. And Glenn has dedicated himself to the children's ministry of this church. But I'll tell you something, he never wanted to do it. He never, ever wanted to do it. He, he wasn't uh, gifted in this as a young person. He never really wanted to work with children until a couple years ago, he volunteered to help lead Vacation Bible School. And he was going to be the storyteller. So he got all the costumes, he got the story together, he prepared to tell them every day. And one day, a group of kids from our community sat down in his room, and instead of telling the story, he felt compelled to just ask a question. He said, who's Jesus? Who's Jesus? And only one kid in the room could answer the question. Who's Jesus? That was enough for Glenn. That was enough for him to dedicate a lot of his time and his energy to sharing the story with children. That was enough for him to know and to believe that all children need to hear and need to know about Jesus. That was enough for Glenn to hear the words of this psalm ring true in his own heart and soul that we have to tell the story. There was once a time when asking children about Jesus, it would have been unnecessary. There was once a time when most families in the community would go to church on Sunday simply out of habit. There was a time where preachers like me could stand in a place like this and say stuff about the Bible without providing context. Because you and me, we would know it so well. But friends, that time is long gone. Instead of embracing God's story, we choose other narratives that we like even more. We don't tell our children about Jesus. We don't even talk to our neighbors or our families about Jesus. That's the church's job. We don't sit down and do homework with our kids. That's school's job. We like to pass the buck on to other people. Instead of naming and claiming the story as our own, we pass it on to somebody else. On Tuesday morning, Lindsay and I woke up early and we took Elijah to Miniville Elementary School. 
because that was our voting location for the gubernatorial race. And we were paranoid that the lines were going to be so long that we left as early as possible, and we got there. Of course, the people who were working, they ushered us into the little room, and because we had an 18-month-old who's crazy, we couldn't vote at the same time. So I took Elijah in my arms, and Lindsay went over, she sat down, and she filled out her little bubble sheet. And while I was holding him, for maybe a minute, two different people came up to me, and they said, oh, how precious, how precious that you're teaching and instilling in your son the value and the importance of democratic voting. <laughs> You know, I thought about that a lot this week. I mean, because is that what I want to share and pass on to my son? Is that what I care so much about? Am I thrilled that he's going to inherit a political system that celebrates division instead of being together? I mean, is teaching him about a political race more important than teaching him about God's grace? I'd be willing to bet that more parents brought their children to the voting booths on Tuesday than are bringing them to church on Sunday. Because we think one is more important than the other. Or at the very least, one determines our lives more than the other. The psalmist tells the story. Because the psalmist believes that in telling the story, in hearing the story, in retelling the story, we figure out who we really are. What this world really looks like. So what is this story? Whenever we open our Bibles, whenever we listen to the story, we are there in the garden with Adam and Eve. We can almost smell that fruit on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we know we shouldn't touch it, but we do it anyway. We are there as they're kicked out of the garden. We're there looking back over what we once had and worry about this new future. We're there with Noah, kissing the earth, for the first time after being stuck on a smelly ark for 40 days and 40 nights. We are there with him as he tills the earth and plants the seeds and grows a vineyard. We are there when he gets drunk off the fruit of the vine for the very first time. We are there with Abraham as an old man finding out he's going to become a father, being sent into a strange land. We hear the promise God makes. Your descendants will be more numerous than the stars in the sky. And maybe we have a little hope. We're there with Moses and we can feel the warmth of the burning bush. And we hear those words, tell them I am who I am sent you. We are there with David as he picks up a tiny little rock and he puts it in his sling and he takes down the mighty Goliath. We are there with Solomon when he prays and says, God, just give me wisdom. We are there with the prophet Isaiah when he feels that hot coal placed on his lips and he becomes a prophet for the Lord. And we are there on that cold and dark night when everything about the history of humanity changed. As a young couple, fearful for their lives, bring a baby into the world and they name him Emmanuel, God with us. We are there with them, fleeing from Bethlehem, fleeing into Egypt, fearful for their son's life. We are with that boy who grows and begins to preach and move throughout Galilee, who says things like, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, who says things like, blessed are the peacemakers, and we are there when he is nailed to the cross. But most importantly, we are there three days later when he rises again, 
That is the story. It's the story that someone once told us. It's the story that we probably have shared with someone else. It is not just a story, and it's not just the story. It's our story. And it is for us. We tell it because it is our own. And of course, this isn't just about teaching children the story. It's about all of us. Whether we're 8 or we're 80. Every time we open the Bible, whenever we're in a room like this, we are remembering the great acts of God in the world. We move back and forth between creation and redemption. We find ourselves as characters in this great story, and we remember what God was willing to do for you and for me. So friends, tell the story. Tell it when you are up and when you are down. Tell it when all is well and when all is hell. Tell it when you are received and when you are nowhere believed. Tell this story. Tell your story. Tell God's story until sinners are justified. Until the devil is terrified. Until Jesus is magnified. Until God is satisfied. Tell the story. I offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Amen.